0: It's great to see you guys. Welcome to church. Is everybody excited to be here? Come on now. It's great to see you. Uh, let me just welcome all the other campuses. It is great having you guys with us and uh, everybody watching online, the guys at home Holman Correctional. It is great to have the family together today. Um, and real quick, I just wanted to say, you know, I want to thank you guys for last weekend at Easter. You know, we did that little survey where we asked everybody just to kind of fill out a couple topics that you'd like Um, us to talk about, you know, what are some things that we could discuss and messages and all that kind of stuff. And I thought it was really interesting that 50% of those results, 50% were marriage, parenting, and family. 50%. So we had record number last weekend of more people than we've ever had in a City Hope service ever. And 50% of those people said, I need to talk about marriage. I need to talk about family. I need to talk about parenting. Pretty, That's pretty huge, right? So listen, if you're not at Wednesday night, then you're just totally messing up in life, okay? <laughs> All right, And if you didn't catch it, Thursday morning, Dr. Kevin Lehman does these special, like, kind of the day after. He just likes to do kind of this little Q&A thing. And he said, hey, can I do that there? And we said, absolutely. So Thursday morning, 10 o'clock. It's kind of a mom's Q&A, but dads, it's okay if you come too. Um, But listen, this guy, New York Times bestselling author, is going to be passing a microphone through the room, letting you ask him questions for two hours two hours, we're going to be able to just pick his brain. So listen, Wednesday night is is a don't miss. Thursday morning is a don't miss. If you got to call in sick, Jesus will forgive you. (laughs) Do what you got to do. Don't miss it. It's going to be awesome. Um, Okay. So anyway, so let me jump into this weekend. We're kind of kicking off this new series, Simplexity. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit excited about it. Uh, this has been one, just, just a thing that's just kind of been in me for a while. Just, just this thought. Um, you know, I know that uh, a lot of us um, get overwhelmed with the complexity of our society, of our culture. You know, we're just bombarded with messages. We're bombarded with, with, you know, who we should be and who we shouldn't be and what we should do and, and what should define our success and what should, you know, bring meaning into our life. And, I mean, you know, with the advertising and the social media and the, Lord, the political landscape, my heavens, right? Um, and you got the, the stuff happening overseas and the, the terror and there's just so much stuff happening in our world that it's Overwhelming. You know, I hear that over and over and over again. These, you know, kind of these three or four words that I keep hearing over and over and over again are, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overscheduled, and I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed, and I've said them. Right? Let me just be honest with you. I've said those exact, I'm just overwhelmed, man. There's just too much. There's too much to keep up with. There's too much to to keep, you know, I mean, Lord, the, the, the foods that are bad for us this week. Right? I mean... And then we got this guy, Kanye, what is, what's this deal, right? I mean, just, you know, and you got the the Facebook, the social tensions, you know, you got the people on Facebook that you don't even like, you don't even know how you wound up following them, but they posted a picture about something. And so now I've got to top their picture. I got to do a sweet little family, something of another. So, you know, and there's just all these pressures and the, the debt is at an all time high right? And then, you know, television and marketing, I mean, just everything. It's like, man, I, I don't have a big enough house. I don't have a, enough finances or, or maybe I've got too much debt or I've got, you know, my, my marriage is crumbling. Man, we hear that all the time. My marriage is falling apart. My, my, my family just, is just falling apart. And it's like, man, there's just so much bombarding us from every angle, from every direction. And I just thought, man, there's, there's got to be a simple way to live life. You know, if we could just sift through all of this complexity, if we could just sift through all of this stuff and just find the simple, why are we here? Why are we here? Is it here? Are are we here to chase all these things? Are we here to to keep up with this stuff? Are we here to to get in the middle of it? Are we here to to build a fortune? Are we here to build a Fortune 500 company? Are we here to, you know, what are we here to do? Because if we listen to the messages of our culture we'd be pretty confused and we'd be overwhelmed and we'd be exhausted and we'd be overscheduled and we'd run and we would we try to keep up and we, you know, I don't know if you guys realize this, but kids like, like young kids, they're the extracurricular activity. Like that whole thing has exploded. If you haven't noticed that, like whenever I was a kid, like we had like one or two practices a week. Now it's like three a day and they're like 12 years old. Right. I mean, even those kind of things, you know, the average family spends 20 hours a week doing extracurricular activities outside of school. Right. And, and, and we got to keep up, man. We got to keep up because my kid's going to play, play pro ball and, and I got to do this. And that means I got to get the house bigger. And so I better get a better job and I better get a better, better salary. And I just got to keep the thing moving so that I can keep up with what the culture tells me I'm supposed to have. The culture tells me what success is and what fulfillment is. You know, one of the greatest questions of life is what is the meaning of life? That's what I want to talk about. Because culture has it all wrong. And culture is telling us something completely different. I feel like a little bit like like we're in a ping pong. I mean, a, pin, a pinball machine. Right? We're, we're, like, we're like, we're just pinging all over these little things and pop, 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 You know, and that's our life. We just run from thing to thing to thing to thing. And oh, maybe this is it. Oh, maybe that's it. Pop, 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 pop. And Jesus says, no, 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 there's a straight path. There's a simple straight path that takes you straight to fulfillment, that takes you to a meaningful life. You know, we sang a moment ago, um, man, they, the, uh, Shannon and the, and the team just did a phenomenal job with uh, Adele's Hello, right? I mean, we, just, we have some of the most amazing artists and creatives around here, right? Just amazing. You know, when that, when that song first came out and I listened to it a few times, that idea of hello from the other side just jumped out at me. And I thought, man, what if I had, what if I had a magic phone? And I could call the 18 year old version of me right now. If I could pick up the phone and I could call him, what would I tell him? Are there some things in life that I tell him, hey, watch out for that one? Hey, don't get involved with that person. Hey, dodge this, change this, don't invest in that. Don't write, right? I mean, we probably all have that list already made up in your mind. Like, you immediately go, oh, yeah, those seven things right there, done. I would tell myself to stay clear of that. Right, And then it hit me, what if we had that magic phone whenever we're on the other side of life? When we're sitting at 70, 80, 90 years old and our life is over and we're just, we're looking back at life, reflecting what life was. What would that phone call sound like? You know, someone that has lived it all and could call you right now, today, sitting in this room And tell you what's up. Tell you what the main thing is. Somebody that could look back, you could look back and go, hey, here's where you need to focus your energy. Here's where you need to focus your time. Here's where you need to focus everything you have, focus it here. Because all these other things, trust me, man, they they go away. They stop. They're not important. right? What is that main thing? And there's a guy in the Bible that... I mean, he didn't have a magic phone, but he basically did this. I mean, he couldn't go back in time and tell himself, but he wrote a letter, he wrote a note, he wrote a book of the Bible for me and for you. I mean, he was actually sitting on the other side of a life that, I mean, in our, in today's culture... Listen to this. This is probably one of the most relevant things in the Bible. If there, if, if, I mean, everything's relevant, but if you say it's not relevant, then you're, you're just totally in la-la land, okay? Because here's a guy who everything that he built his life on is exactly what today we would call success, what our culture would call success. What we think is so important, what we think is so vital... His name is Solomon and he was actually, he was one of the smartest men who ever lived. Okay, he was one of the richest men who lived in his time, 10th century BC. He was wealthy, he was the king, he was wealthy, he had literally everything and anything that he wanted. He had all the knowledge and all the wisdom. And after all of this, after living this life, after doing all of this, he makes a phone call. Uh, he does it in the form of a book. He doesn't type it. I don't know why I'm doing that, but I'm a product of the technology generation. But he writes us a letter from the other side. He says, Hello, it's not all what you think it's about. He writes a letter to tell us what's important and what's not even slightly important. He writes us a letter to say, hey, listen, I lived my entire life going the wrong way. Don't make the same mistake that I made. And here's the thing. He kicks this thing off. He starts this thing. Honestly, it's a little like crazy. It's a little bit like, I mean, I see this, you know, the old crazy uncle. that's about to kick the bucket and he's just kind of going crazy, just ranting. Okay, but when you really get into it, you realize this is not the rantings of some fool or just, you know, this is a manifesto. This is a declaration. This is a, I mean, this is, this is him standing on the front of the, the, the Titanic saying there's a glacier in the water. Don't hit it. Move now. Change now. Do something different. Listen to what he says. This is the very beginning of Ecclesiastes, which is his book that he writes all of this stuff in. He says this. Look at this. This is how, this is how he starts. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Everything. Quite a happy fella. Right? I mean, this is the kind of guy we want to be around. This is the kind of guy we want to hang out with. Man, he's fun. He's exciting. This is awesome. Everything is meaningless, he says. But I don't think it's just the rantings of some fool. This is... This is words of wisdom from someone that has lived the life that you and I and our culture would say is success. You know, think about it. What a sad, sad thing that this guy spent 70, 80, 90 years burning his life wide open, running as fast as he could go to acquire as much as he could acquire. We're going to talk about some of it. And then he stops at the very end And he has spent every ounce of the life, the breath that he has in his body. And then at the end, he looks back and he goes, well, that was pointless. That was pointless. All that I just did was worthless. All that I just strived for and worked for and fought for, every bit of it was meaningless it brought no fulfillment to my life it brought no meaning to my life it didn't get me anywhere all it did was overwhelm me exhaust me overschedule me and wear me out what a sad sad thing in the first two chapters he he kind of goes and kind of unpacks this a little bit he builds quite the case as to as to why his his observations are true, and he kind of he actually goes through all these things that he tried, all these things that he went through that he, he tried to find meaning, he tried to find fulfillment, he tried to he tried to find that satisfaction, that happiness, that that sweet spot of life. And real quick, I'm gonna give you just a couple of them that he tried because again, I think it's really really relevant to where we are today. You know, he tried, um, excuse me, he tried uh, higher learning. You know, this was a guy who one of the first things he asked God was, you know, I want to be the wisest man. I I want to be full of wisdom. And so he went after knowledge and wisdom and decided that he was going to be the smartest guy in the room, wound up being the smartest guy in any room. I mean, he went after knowledge, and it wasn't just, how hey, I'm going to finish school so that I can get a job. No, he went back to school, and he went back to school, and he, got, he went to, to, to pre-grad, post-grad, this grad, that grad. I'm not even smart enough to know how it all works, right? He just, he kept going, keep adding things to his, to his title. He, wanted, he just, he thought, this was how I'm going to find meaning in life, is knowledge. I'm gonna keep growing the expanse of wisdom and knowledge and, and everyone's gonna know that I'm that guy and there's gonna be meaning and fulfillment there. But he says this, Ecclesiastes 1.16, he says, look, I've increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ever ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge that I applied myself to understanding of wisdom and also madness and folly, but I learned that this too is chasing after the wind. He said, It doesn't matter how smart you are, it doesn't matter how much you know. None of that stuff matters. It's all chasing the wind. In verse 18, he says, with all of this wisdom just comes sorrow. The more knowledge, just more grief. He said, You know, the more I had, the more cynical I got, the more, the more frustrating it got, the more aggravating it got. There's no joy there, there's no peace there. Now listen, stay in school. Okay, Solomon is not saying education is stupid and education is meaningless. No, the pursuit that education and knowledge and wisdom, and I'm going to sit and I'm going to just be this really smart guy, that this is going to fill that void, that meaningful void that's in our life. He's saying that was meaningless. I tried that. I went after that. Completely meaningless. The second thing he tried was pleasure. He just went after pleasure. I mean, he just said, man, what if life is just nothing but a party? What if life is just fun? What if life is just, hey, I'm gonna drink a little, probably a lot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little of this. I'm gonna do a little of that. I'm gonna literally do anything that I want to do. He said, maybe that's the route to this. Um, in Ecclesiastes two, two and three, he says, laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine, embracing folly. You know, how much wine do you think it takes to fill that emptiness and that void of fulfillment and meaning? I mean, how much partying, how much, how much just pleasure living does it take? There is no amount, right? And he found this out. He found this out very quickly that that too is chasing the wind. And the third thing that he tried after he woke up from his, his hangover is he decided, you know what? What if, you know, what if the answer... Is in building wealth? What if the answer is in acquiring possessions? What if the what if the answer is just man, just material stuff? Just man, I can I could have houses, I could have stuff, I could have all this this thing, all this stuff, and maybe that is where the fulfillment comes from. And Ecclesiastes 2, 4 and 9, this is a little bit long, but we'll, we'll I'll try to read it fast. He says, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself, many, many houses. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I, and this is a big deal. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. That's a sign of wealth. I mean, he just, he's bragging on the amount of slaves and, and hands that he had, right? All these houses needed people to work. Then he said, "Um, I also own more herds and flocks than anyone else in Jerusalem before me. Another sign of wealth, right? I mean, he's just flaunting at this point that I've got so much money, I'm so loaded, I've got so much jack that I don't even know what to do with it all. I mean, he's like just... He's going crazy at this point. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I just see, you know, uh, the little Scrooge McDuck. Remember DuckTales? The uncle that just had the big, the big room where he just kept all of his gold. I mean, that's what's happening. I mean, he's spending some of it, but he's just amassing it. He's just, he's just letting it collect. I love this next one. I acquired male and female singers. Now listen, I love to go to a concert. I love music. I love these special elements and I love to go see, you know, bands and I'll drop a little bit of money on a concert, right? But this mug bought the band. <laughs> he said, no, 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 Adele, you're not going to tour anymore. you are going to come to my house and you're going to sing up in my house. Right? I mean, he bought the band and a harem as well. Okay? This man had a thousand wives. A thousand wives. Guys, hey, huh? Right? It's hard enough to keep one of them happy, right? A thousand wives is like 5,000 credit cards, roughly. I'm kind of doing the math quickly, but right? He's like, he's like, I literally got everything I want, man. I've got it all. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. Man, I had wealth. I had money. I had possessions. I had women. I had everything. Listen to this verse. In verse 10, it says this, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart. Nothing. No pleasure. No anything. Literally, if I saw it and I wanted it, I got it. Just like that. Can you imagine life like that? Can you imagine that kind of life? And this is what he says. All of that, and this is how he wraps it up. Verse 11. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. It too was chasing the wind. Now understand, wealth is not bad. Possessions are not bad. Pleasure is not bad. But he was trying to find fulfillment there and meeting there. Does that sound like our culture to anybody else? Does that sound relevant that, that there's just this, this success monster? There's this, I've got to be better than the next guy monster, right? I've got to have more stuff. And he's saying, man, everything that you're, that you're striving for, it's all pointless. The last thing that he strived for was his career. He was determined to be the best king, the most powerful king. He was determined that he was going to be you know, the best um, guy in the world when it came to his job. That he was going to do whatever it takes. He was going to conquer whatever he had to conquer. He was going to do anything he had to do. He was going to work 12, 14 hour days. He was going to neglect family, neglect health, neglect everything. So that he could be the best at what he did. Chapter 2 verse 22 he says. And what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving. With which they labor under the sun. All their days their work is grief and pain. And even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. He goes on to say, man, all this work that I've done, all this, this empire that I've built, this company that I've built, this, this new job that I was so anxious about, this, you know, this salary that I just thought would make everything right. He said, eventually, I'm gonna pass on and it's gonna go to somebody else, and they're gonna ruin whatever I did. That's basically what he says. He says, Life is just a vapor, it's gonna go away anytime now, and I'm gonna step into the next thing, and somebody's gonna take what I did and ruin it. He said, This is all meaningless. So here's a guy, Solomon, from the other side who's saying, Hey, hello, wake up. Listen, let me save you some heartache. Let me save you some time. Let me save you some energy. And let's just cut to the chase and tell you what this is all really about. And I kind of see him almost sitting at this moment. And he's leaning in and he's looking me eyeball to eyeball. And he says, This, he says, We've argued, we've talked, we've gone round and round. And then in chapter twelve, verse thirteen, he says this: "Now all has been heard, and here's the conclusion of the matter. Listen, I've said everything I need to say, and here's the last point: the number one thing in life is fear God. Fear God. That's not that's not be be afraid of God. No, that's respect and honor God. You know, our culture, God's just a cool idea." right? We got lots of God ideas. We got lots of God concepts. We'll show up on church days. We'll do this and that. But he says, fear God, have a reverence of God and honor and a respect, a love uh, just, you know, to receive and accept everything that God offers to go after him. This is not just this cute little, oh, God's so cool. Look at him. You know, that's how our culture sees him. Yeah, God works for some. It doesn't work for some. Or maybe I don't like this God, so I'm going to make him this God, right? I mean, it's just whatever. No, he's saying, no, no, no. Fear God Almighty. Respect him. Honor him. He is the Lord God Almighty. Respect him. And then keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. This is it. This This is the main thing. Keep his commandments. The message says, do what he says. Do what he says. Fear God and do what he says. But that word commandments, that word commandments stuck out at me. And as I was reading this and thinking about this and going, man, fear God, keep his commandments. That's it. That's the main thing, man. Love God, respect God, pursue God and do everything that he says, keep his commandments. I was immediately reminded, you know, because there's a little bit like when you hear that word, especially if you grew up in church in any way, you immediately think of the Ten Commandments. Right? And you think, oh great. Yeah, okay. So I'm gonna thou shalt not this, and thou shalt not that, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm going thou shalt not my life to death, right? But see, when Jesus came, he, he changed all that. Right? He 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 flipped that over on its head, and there's a there's a verse that immediately jumped out at me that I thought, man, it just ties into this so so well. And there was a there was a lawyer, there was an attorney that tested Jesus. And he was, he was kind of poking at him a little bit because this guy built his life on the law. He built his life on the 10 commandments and all the other Jewish law. He built everything on that. And so here's this new guy that's got it all together. You know, got this new message and he's going, all right, pal, tell me this. If this is the thing, look at what he says in Matthew twenty two thirty five. 35. He says, an expert in the law tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law, what's the greatest commandment, right? Tied it right back. He said, hey, what's the main thing? What's the greatest thing? You're telling us, Solomon says, do his commandments. This guy's going, okay, what's the, what's the number one thing? What's the main thing? See, now this guy, he's a lawyer. So he's going back to these original commandments going, okay, this is going to be a thou shalt not. This is going to be a hard, demanding, demeaning, you know, just this hard thing that we've got to live up to. You know, that's going to be difficult and it's going to be trying. He's expecting a thou thou shall not. And this is what Jesus says in the very next verse. Jesus replied, love, love. Listen, he was expecting a hard, like just this legalistic word, thou shalt not. And Jesus gave him a relational word. He said, no, 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 love. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he goes on and he says, and the second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So here, this guy's testing him going, hey, tell me what the law says. Hey, hey, tell me what I'm supposed to do and not do. And tell me the hoops I got to jump through and all that kind of stuff. Tell me how I'm supposed to live. And Jesus says, it's really simple. Love. Love. Love your God, love the people around you, and love yourself. Because if I can't love myself, I sure can't love the people around me and love God. So it's in three people. It's a relational thing. Love, love, love. Listen to this. To sum it all up, I'd sum it up like this. A fulfilled life is more about a who, not a what. Think about that. Because here we are, we're striving for a fulfilled, meaningful life. A meaningful, fulfilled life is more about a who than a what. There is no thing on this planet that will bring fulfillment into your life. Nothing, only relationships, only. People, the people that are surrounding you right now, man, the people that are in your family, the people that you go to work with, the people that are in your small group, the people that are on your serve team, the people that work in the same cubicle space as you, the guy that you that, that you work with every single week when you go fix air conditioners, whatever you do in your life, whatever you do for a living, the people around you, that is the main thing. He's saying that's priority. Forget all the fluff, forget all the stuff, forget all the nonsense and the complexities and the madness of this world and focus on what Jesus focused on, loving God, loving people, loving yourself. As you, just go after that, focus on that, pursue that. Listen, at the end of life, when we're sitting on our deathbed, and if you, I don't know if you know this or not, but the death rate is still sitting at about 100%, Okay. So we're all going to be there at some point. And let me tell you this, in the end, in the end, our regrets are always relational. They're never possessional. They're never occupational. People don't sit on their deathbed and go, man, if only I'd gotten another $100,000. So close. Right? Or I mean, you're not sitting in a hospital room and you say, hey, nurse, can you just go get my shoe collection? I just want to try it on one more time. Hey, can you wheel me out to my car? I just want to smell the leather one more time. That's not the conversations that happen on deathbeds. That's not the conversation that happened in hospitals. That's not the conversations that happen when someone is nearing the end of life. These are the three things that people talk about right here. This is what it is. Did they have a true, did they have true and meaningful friendships? Are they okay with their families? And are they ready to meet Jesus face to face? That's what people want to talk about. So, yeah. So, listen. So, at the other side of life, when they're sitting in that hospital bed, they say, This is what matters. This is what matters. All the work, the toil, the, the frustration, the mixed messages, the, the striving, the, I'm going for success, I got to have a bigger house, all of it, none of it matters. This is what matters. This is what matters. Let me introduce you to the who's in my life. And they're not Dr. C's characters. So this is my beautiful family. Ignore this guy. It's my beautiful wife, Becky. And um, this is Max, Bella, and Nora. They are my world. This is the who's that I live life for. About three or four years ago, I woke up one day and I realized that I realized that I was living life for me. I realized that every decision that I was making, everything that I was doing, it was whether or not I felt good and I wanted it. And is this what I want? Is this, is this you know, and all of a sudden one day it hit me. I'm totally missing the mark. I'm totally missing the mark. This is why I'm on this earth. This is why I'm here. To pour my life out for them. To give them my everything. To give them my all. To singularly focus. To simplify the world and go, how can I love them and raise them up to be the women and the men of God that they're called to be? How can I give them my everything? It's not about a bigger house. They don't care about that. They want me. (laughs) They want love. They want, you know, and, and... and my wife, I've got to love my wife. Why? Because I want to teach my girls what that's supposed to look like. I want to teach my little man how he's supposed to love his wife, right? That's the meaning of life. That's fulfillment. So that when I sit at the end and I look back, you know what's right about my world? My relationships, the people in my life. I'm right with Jesus. And I love this family and I've poured everything I've gotten into this family that's why we're here. It's not about all the stuff. It's not about all the complexities. It's not about any of that. Man, the simple truth is the people in your life matter more than anything else. More than anything else, the people in your life matter. You know, I had to ask myself some really hard questions a couple years ago. Because I had to decide, you know, what what am I living for? Like, what kind of spouse do I want to be? What kind of dad do I want to be? What kind of person do I want to be? And you know, if you, if you simplify all of this stuff and we just say, hey, get rid of all this complexity, get rid of all this stuff, and let's just focus on the main thing, the true thing, the real thing, the simple thing. But if I don't have an endpoint in mind that I'm driving my life to, then what's the point in all of that? What's the point in getting rid of the complexities of what society says is right if I don't have an endpoint that I'm driving toward? And I had to start asking myself some pretty real questions of what, what do I want that end point to look like? Where, where am I driving the vehicle of my life? Where am I, where am I pointing this thing and steering this thing? What direction am I headed? Because listen, no matter how much time you have left, it's not too late to land there in that spot, but you have to figure out, man, what is that future that I need? What is that? What is that meaningful life? What is that, that fulfilled life? And then what do I need to do to get there? I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. It's really, really practical. But what if, you, what if you were to journal a one-sentence statement that clarified what fulfillment is to you? You know, just, just this, this kind of driving statement that when, you know, something at work or your ego gets stroked or something happens and you, there's, this, there's this tendency to detour and to all of a sudden get off that load. But this, there's, this, there's this statement. You know, a vision statement that brings you back and makes you go, no, 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 no. This is why I'm here. This is who I'm here for. This is the reason I was put on this earth. And that every single day you just, you know, you say that thing. You, you know, you, you clarify that vision and you, in your heart and you just remember why you're here. And you focus on why you're here. You focus on the point of life. Maybe you pray over it. Because then whenever you wake up and those things happen where it'd be very easy to detour, be very, very easy to get off course, that statement comes to mind. You go, no, 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 that's not a fulfilled life. This is a fulfilled life. This is where I'm headed. Um, You know, just something really, really simple. This is one that I wrote up for me. For me, I'm fulfilled in life when I follow Jesus, build his church, and establish deep, lasting relationships with Becky, Bella, Nora, and Max. Simple, right? I mean, that's simple. Like, I just sifted through all the complexities. I didn't mention money, houses. I didn't, I didn't mention stuff, social media, status, success. No, no, no. When I sit at the end of my life, that's what fulfillment looks like. I follow Jesus with everything I got. I built his church with all of my heart. And most important, man, I poured into my family and I love my family and I never forgot that, missed that. Man, whenever those days, you know, pop up and it's like, man, I just don't want to do what my wife asked me to do. And I think about, but wait a minute, what kind of husband do I want to be? What kind of husband do I want to be? You know, and my kids are on my nerves or my kids are wanting to do this or that and I don't want to do it. I'm tired and I think, but wait a minute, what kind of dad do I want to be? Because they're my number one thing. And listen, no matter how much life is left in your lungs, it's not too late to get rid of the relational regrets now. It's not too late. Whatever those things are, those those immediately you thought, oh, gosh, I need to reach out to that person. Oh, I need to make a phone call. Oh, I need to fix this and fix that. It's not too late. Now is the time to do that. Why? Because people matter to God more than anything else. People are his most favorite thing in the world. Absolutely. And we are following him in that. So whatever you need to fix, whatever you need to, man, do it now. And let me ask you this one thing. If today, I'm going to kind of wrap up like this. If today you were were to get a call from future you, right? The you that's sitting at 80, 90, 100 years old, whatever, 120, I don't know. What would they tell you? You know, just, just thinking about the current trajectory of your life, where you're headed, where your priorities are, where your time is spent, where your energy is spent. What would future you say to now you? What needs to change? What priorities need to shift? What relationships need to be mended? What, what things in your life do you need to go, you know what, that is not important because that is taking me away from what is important. At the end of the day, We sift through it all, complexities and complications and messages of the world and all this kind of stuff. And we get down to the main thing, and it's love God and love people. How simple is that? Lord, we thank you that we get to be in your presence today. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I pray as we walk out of this place, God, that we decide to live life differently. Lord, whatever the convictions were, whatever the the things that popped in our mind immediately or the relationships that need to be fixed, the, the family dynamics that need to be fixed, the, um, you know, the, the extra time that we need to begin spending here or there, whatever those things are, God, I pray that they don't just fade away or die out, God, but those thoughts, God, that those convictions, God, that they will ring in our heart for days. I pray that tonight we won't even be able to go to sleep because we haven't addressed it because we haven't made mention of it. We haven't begun to pray about it. We haven't begun to fix it. We haven't made a phone call. We haven't done something. I pray, God, that we walk away today not feeling down, but feeling liberated. God, that we walk out of here today realizing that all this stuff in culture really doesn't matter in the end. Not one single bit of it do we take to the next life. Not one single bit of it were we born here for. We were born here to love God and love people. And Lord, I pray with all of my heart that we walk out of this place today remembering that. Let it ring true in our hearts in Jesus' name. Now, listen, nobody move. Every campus, everybody just sit tight. Because I believe there's a change that when I said that a minute ago, what's future you and you're calling the now you and what's that one thing needs to change. I believe that some of you realize that you're not even doing the love God part. You know what I mean? I talked about fearing God and how there's that reverence and honor of God. And some of you are just playing God. You're toying with the idea of God and oh it's cute and fun and it works on Sundays but listen this is the main reason we were here to love God with all of our heart that's where we find fulfillment and meaning in our hearts so if you will if everyone will bow your head and close your eyes i just i have to ask this question man if you're here and you and you say you know what that's the relationship i'm missing that's the missing ingredient that's the missing piece then I want you to raise your hand right now. I'm the only one looking. Go ahead raise it up. I see two, three, four, or five hands going up all over the place, and at every campus. Go ahead. Don't be shy. Raise your hands. Now let's pray this prayer together. Everyone, pray it. But those of you that raised your hands, I encourage you, men, please pray this prayer. Pray, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Accept me into your heart. I give you my everything. I give you my all. I want to truly know you. I love you so much, Jesus. Change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give those guys a big hand. Thank you.